strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. And I'm Robin. And tonight on Notorious Knowledge, we are going to talk about condoms. Well, that's very saucy. (laughs) So, Jen. Yes, ma'am. Did you know that the military used condoms for more than one reason? I mean, I feel like condoms have one purpose, maybe two if you talk about making them into water balloons when you're a child. No, that's that's all I got. They actually came into very good use because they were used to stop bleeding. They were used to, in emergency uh, situations, they were used as surgical gloves. Uh, Did they put one on each finger? (laughs) No, it was actually... Or you put it over the whole hand? I think think it was used as a mitten. So you like, like one of those little like, mitten kind of things. You like fist the condom? Yeah, pretty much. Fist the condom, made it a mitten. Like a little and, like a and sock emer- puppet? Yeah, in emergency situations. That's how they... Or one on each finger, you tie it off. I don't know. I wasn't there. I have no idea. It's little, like the creepiest freaking like dancing ever. phalanges. They were also used to put over the barrel of the gun to keep all of the dirt and sand away from jamming the weapon. Yeah, I read that about on um, D-Day that they used condoms for that. But I have a question for you, Robin. Mm -hmm. Why do they issue condoms to soldiers anyway? (laughs) Is it just to keep them from getting the clap? A a lot more than the clap, yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. All right. So condoms are a huge thing that, I mean, I actually. (laughs) Sometimes they're medium. Sometimes, you know. I mean, I don't know if they actually make a micro penis size. One size does not fit all. Certainly not. But I also saw a um, a video and an article about um, U.S. airmen. They were actually put into a sexual education class, and they had to put condoms on these um, desktop dildos, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said airmen, and it took my entire soul <laughs> not to say semen. <laughs> but no, it was only but the airmen, I, not the semen. The seamen know what they're doing. <laughs> the airmen no Those idea. guys in the Navy are ready to slap one on <laughs> when they get to port. No, but uh, condoms are uh, used th- back then, today, you name it. And um, But they're also used in many t- different types of warfare. They're also used for emergency water canteens. If you fill them up and you tie and tie on the top, and it just you, has a actually, slight hint of latex, but yeah, just a tight, but I rather latex than you know any type of sure dehydration or any type of you know. I mean, granted, I have to say that I appreciate the soldiers' ingenuity and utilitarianism. Sure, yeah, but then you take them abroad, and they're used for a lot more other things. They help you to keep dirt out of wounds if you're wounded. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say it. To the men of the military who have used condoms in all these different ways, we salute you. <laughs> it's funny because you're just saluting me. So it's I'm literally just saluting Robin in a room. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about before we get into my topic, well, Robin? Well, actually, we have tote bags available for all of our patrons. Uh, all you have to do is just go on to patreon.com slash notorious narratives, and you can see all of our fun stuff there. For $1, you get... Early episodes available. This way you get to hear them before everyone else does. Uh, for $3, you get early episodes. 
and you get an, an Instagram episode, which is pretty cool. And then They're like a little bit shorter than the regular episodes are based on some of our Instagram stories that, you know, Instagram only lets you put so many words up before mm-hmm. they're like, you know, you're done. And for $5, you get the stickers, you get buttons, and you get the tote bag. And you just have to check that out. Most importantly, we send you all of this in a package with our super bitch and wax seal that we had made for the Society of the Torch and Glass, which is what we call the group of people that work together on our Patreon. Um, we're really looking to build this up and have it be kind of like a place where people can go and kind of talk about the things that we all like to talk about, the weird history, the interesting facts that they learned, the things that kind of gross out and freak out your friends that, you know, you don't feel super comfortable talking about in like your regular life. We want it to kind of be a place that you can go. Check go it out. All right. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Trying to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. (laughs) Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. Robin, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Tonight, I'm going to tell you a Peruvian tale. Peruvian tale? Yes, ma'am. Okay. In Juan Chaquito, Peru, 2011, a local pizza shop owner made a startling discovery. He and his children walking around their area, like in the their like little neighborhood. They were playing with the dogs, and suddenly they unearthed what appeared to be human bones. So he did what any good pizza shop owner would do when he finds human bones. He called the local archaeologist. Gabriel Prieto was this archaeologist's name. He like lived in the area. Love him. So this pizza shop owner calls him up and is like, hey Gabe, uh, you need to come take a look at this. This is going to make you famous. At first, Prieto thought the site was simply a long-forgotten cemetery. But after recovering the remains of several children wrapped in shrouds... Whoa. Remains that... (laughs) I'm sorry. But after recovering the remains of several children wrapped in shrouds, the remains which radiocarbon date all the way back to 1400 AD, the period that in that area represented the kingdom of the great Chimu. Fuck the children do. It was then that the archaeologist realized that he had stumbled onto a much bigger discovery. You see, Gabriel had grown up in the area, exploring and digging his whole life. As a child, he hunted for beads outside of the 16th century Spanish colonial church that perched upon the town's highest hill. He would explore the adobe ruins of Chan Chan, which was the ancient capital of the Chimo people. In the 15th century, the Chimo Empire was at its peak and encompassed an empire that stretched for 3,000 miles along the Peruvian coast. Chan Chan was one of the largest cities in the Americas at the time. So being from the area, Gabriel was well-educated in the ways of the Chimu and understood their burial practices. And that is what bothered him. You see, these burials, 
that he was finding in this sandy lot across the street from the pizza shop weren't typical of the Chimo people. In fact, they were all children and all animals, oh. llamas to be specific. The bodies were interred in unusual positions, prone on their backs or curled on their sides instead of sitting upright, as was customary. And they lacked the adornments, pottery, and other grave goods that were commonly found in Chimo burials. Instead, many were buried alongside very young llamas or alpacas. These animals, being a vital resource for food, clothing, and transport, would have been viewed as a very valuable asset to the Chimo people. But perhaps the most shocking find was that many of the children and animals had visible cuts across their sternum and ribs. With the help of fellow experts who examined the remains, it was confirmed that the children and animals were deliberately killed in this manner. Oh, no. They were killed with a horizontal cut across the sternum, likely followed by the removal of the heart. Oh, my God, like Indiana Jones? Yes, ma'am. He found that the consistency of the cut location, as well as the absence of any hesitation marks, which are like the stop starts of a knife blade, on the, the, without a, with a lack of these hesitation marks on the bones, they found this especially interesting. It was, it was on purpose. These were ritual it wasn't, killings. Yeah, it wasn't hesitant. Yeah. Here, on the coast of Peru, a small pizza shop owner had happened upon the site of what could be the most massive child sacrifice in human history. I hate it. I hate it. So bad. In total, <laughs> the remains of 269 children and three adults have been unearthed to date. The children all ranged in age from 4 to 14. Oh, the bodies were both boys and girls, all of whom appear to have been well cared for with little sign of malnutrition or disease. Isotope analysis of their teeth suggests that they had come from all over the Chimo Empire. So they were volunteered to be sacrificed? It They're does like, appear that way. Yeah. The backs of some of the children's skulls were unnaturally elongated, which was evidence of the deliberate cranial modification mm -hmm. that was practiced only in the remote highlands. So that basically told them that mm -hmm. they had come from that area. the mountainous yeah. regions, not just along the coast. So it's a culture. It's not, it's not the region. It's a culture. There is very little known about the Chimo Empire. They were a pre-Columbian, pre-Incan civilization and had no written records. The Chimo civilization, otherwise called the Kingdom of Chimor, flourished along the north, northern coast of Peru between the 12th and 15th centuries. Their architecture, approach to regional governance, and art would also go on to influence their more famous successors, the Incas. The initial prosperity of the Chimu was largely due to the agricultural skills that they had and their ability to build an extensive irrigation system using canals. Later, their successful military campaigns and policy of extracting tribute ensured that they became a dominant regional force. This domination, though, came to an end with the rise of the Incas. But nothing left from history tells us why they would have chosen to sacrifice so many precious resources. While archaeologists have found evidence of human sacrifice worldwide, most have been prisoners of war or casualties of ritual combat, or retainers killed upon the death of a leader or the construction of a sacred building. Ancient texts, including the Hebrew Bible, attest to the practice of child sacrifice, but clear evidence of mass killings of children is rare in the archaeologic record. Prior to this discovery at Juan Chaquito, the largest known child sacrifice uh, site was at the Templo Mayor in the Aztec capital of Tenochtitlan, which is modern-day Mexico City, where they found 42 children were slain in the 15th century. 
But there, in Huanchaquito, just 1,000 feet from the sea, the site has a story to tell. There in the soil is a preserved layer of what would have been mud, and in that mud lie the footprints, literal footprints, of the ritual procession. The footprints of sandaled adults, dogs, barefoot children, and young llamas are preserved in the mud layer, with deep skid marks illustrating where the reluctant four-legged offerings may have been forced, dragged, and coaxed to their end. It appears that a group of children and llamas was led to the site from the north and the south edges of the bluff, meeting in the center of the site where they would have been sacrificed and buried. The bodies of a few children and animals were simply left there in the wet mud. It was that layer of wet mud that could be the answer. This mud layer is unusual and was likely the result of severe rain and flooding. I'm sorry, this is this is an awful thing, but all I'm thinking in my head is the never-ending story in Atreyu lost his horse in the giant mud. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> so, it's she's like, like the tra- never ending story <laughs> you're dragging you're dragging these people through this thick enriched like per, like on purpose like yes. through it you know and then oh, I'm sorry go continue I'm so sorry <laughs> so this mud layer leads people to believe that there may have been some sort of climate event that was going on during that time such as an El Nino which would have been catastrophic to the society, causing elevated sea temperatures and coastal flooding that would have overwhelmed the Chimu's fishing enterprises, as well as their extensive infrastructure and agricultural canals, for which they were so well known. The sort of overall thought is that, you know, in the wake of a a, global climate event um, change for them, that they probably began... With sacrificing animals, and that didn't work. And then they probably moved on to sacrificing adults, and then that, that didn't, didn't work. work. And so it seems that societies along the northern Peruvian coast may have turned to the sacrifice of children after the sacrifice of other the things. Pure, right? Right, did not actually work. Um, well, they weren't. They they didn't know the changes. Exactly. They, they don't know why. Yeah, they, they're they're not equipped to understand. Right. Global warming. I hate to say that word because everyone hates that word, but like global warming and and agricultural change and development I mean, in other countries. Is, to, and the, to the best of our archaeologic knowledge, El Nino is an event that, it you know, it just it has happened throughout centuries. Yeah, and they just wouldn't have things, understood it. Things are going to happen, and everything happens without anyone's really knowledge and understanding of it. So you are going to do something to evoke the gods to help you in any way and exactly. at that point it was humans it was animal and then when those two didn't work then you went to the, the you pure sacrifice your most precious resource yeah. to, to save to save basically your world yeah because it's not just a village it's not just a little section it, it this is your world yes and so they wanted to say yeah so you know the archaeologists the anthropologists yeah. the geologists have sort of all come together and they kind of believe that you know the thoughts kind of that to truly be a sacrifice a sacrifice has to be what's most important to you and in the case of the chimo the children and the llamas were what was most important perhaps they had sacrificed lesser animals in the past and the rain kept coming and they sacrificed some prisoners 
and the rain kept coming. And they sacrificed some adults, and the rain kept coming. Also, maybe llamas were the largest animal they had. So maybe it was, like, first a goat, and then they worked their way up. Yeah, or a chicken, or a bird. and they worked their way up. And so it was, like, the larger the animal and the smaller the human. Unfortunately, that's how it goes. Yes. So this, this idea stems from the idea that ritual killing is contractual, and that it is performed... To get something from supernatural deities. Mm-hmm. But what it truly is, is a negotiation with those supernatural forces and their manipulation by the living. Mm-hmm. While not truly supernatural, certainly beyond the control of man and society. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So without a time machine, we can <laughs> never really know what caused these people mm-hmm. to sacrifice the children and the animals on that seaside cliff. But these remains are a window into the last desperate years of a dying empire. Within the next decades after the sacrifice, the Incan warriors would knock at the gates and defeat the Chimo Empire. There is a legend in the area that after their defeat, the conquered leader guides these people who took over to a cache of priceless treasure. The legend says that he only took them to see the little treasure and that the greatest treasure remains hidden. Gabriel Prieto, professor of archaeology at the University of Trujillo, and the discoverer of this amazing site, likes to think that the children are the Peje Grande, or the big treasure. Because certainly this sacrifice was worth more than any amount of gold. That is the story of the Wanchaquito child sacrifices, a tale of a desperate society bartering with nature. Just another notorious narrative. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, there are a couple of things that you can do to help us out. You can leave a positive review wherever you're listening now. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash notorious narratives, where you can access content that is exclusive for our patrons. And remember, keep it weird and never stop exploring.